welcome. This is Robin Sills from St. Mary's Hospital. Welcome to another show of Medically Speaking. I hope everyone's doing well. I, I was just sitting here talking to Johnny, and I said, right when I leave here tonight, I have to go to a meeting for my 40th high school reunion. And I just cannot believe where the years went. Johnny was saying, oh, I've never go to my reunions. I says, well, I went to Sacred Heart High School in Waterbury, and I know don't know about the audience out there, but you know how Sacred Heart is. It's very small. It's very family-oriented, and a lot of us have stayed pretty close to the vest right here in the greater Waterbury area, so we're pretty we're pretty excited to have our 40th reunion, even though it's definitely counting down, so I'm excited to go to that. Um, we are taking our show tonight down um, a path that we started with um, last uh, Friday, which was Friday um, the 10th, when we had Dr. Mark Albini on, and we were talking a lot about the new services um, that we're having at St. Mary's Hospital and the expansion of services, I should say, with our OBGYN. And Dr. Mark Albini and his group, Naugatuck Valley Women's Health Specialists, just about a month ago or so, have now joined uh, St. Mary's Hospital and the Franklin Medical Group. Although they practiced pretty much exclusively at St. Mary's for many, many years, um, they are now part of the St. Mary's Hospital uh, medical team um, and part of our Franklin Medical Group. And we're excited to have with us tonight another um, physician from the from the group and this is Dr. Arena Magadina. Hi Doc. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Robin? Good. I'm really good. I was sitting here a bit, and I'm thinking, oh, I hope she didn't have to go into a delivery. <laughs> nope. I got someone delivered a little bit ago, so I'm good for now. <laughs> just down to the wire. So exactly. Dr. Magadina well, you know, is on call right. tonight. <laughs> Dr. Magadina is on call tonight, and she's calling in from St. Mary's Hospital, which um, is true to form for her. She's on call quite a bit. I actually looked at your call schedule this month. I don't yeah. know. I think you got the short end of the stick this I month. I know. <laughs> You know, we all take our equal share, I have to say. And and really, I make the call schedule, so we all take our equal share. <laughs> so you got to blame yourself. Huh? Exactly. You put, you put your exactly. husband in charge of those kids, didn't That's you? That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, as I said, Dr. Magadina is an OBGYN and now part of the St. Mary's Hospital family. And we're so excited to have you. And we're so excited to have your team. But you're somewhat newer to the group. Not very new, but somewhat yeah, new. Yeah, it's actually been six years. Six. Um, I joined uh, I, I joined Naugatuck Valley Women's Health six years ago. Um, August has been six years for me already. I can't believe it. And what I love about you is that you are from Connecticut. So you're from Watertown, as a matter of mm -hmm. fact, right? I sure am, yep. And you did all your schooling in Connecticut. In Connecticut, yeah. You um, went to from Taft? From Yale to UConn, yep, yeah. Taft originally, and then Yale and UConn, yep. That's, first of all, that's incredi incredibly impressive because those are Thank three you. very impressive schools, and especially for a woman to get into medical school, first of all, to get into Yale. In, in, you know, pre-med and then to actually go into UConn because that is a very competitive program. Yeah. And yeah. what made you choose to stay in Connecticut? Well, I, well, you know, I always wanted to stay in Connecticut partly because I wanted to be with my family, but yeah. also I don't, I, I think the Connecticut's talent should stay in Connecticut. Right. And I, I, I wanted to stay here to continue to serve my community. That's awesome. I like being in the area where I grew up. I like mm -hmm. seeing familiar faces and familiar names and staying in touch with the community that shaped me and raised me. And that's I think awesome. that's a very special place to be for myself personally. I'm so um, excited. So, you know, so I, I, like, I like that I'm still in the place that I'm from. I, you know, I'm so excited about that because when I had Dr. Albini on the other day, too, is he's a water boy so he's a homegrown mm -hmm. too and you know you don't always see that nowadays I know we have physicians from all over the country United States and all over the country and it's a beautiful thing because you do have a great melting pot of personalities and cultures and ways of doing things and I think that's great too but sometimes just to have that local connection is so important because you understand right. where people are coming from when they come right. into you with a problem right yeah, I think the Waterbury community is very unique, um, and, and having grown up in this area, I, I think I understand it 
well and I can relate a little bit better and hopefully my patients can relate to me oh, you're, you're a treasure where I'm from you are definitely a treasure and, if, <laughs> and for the audience out there if you haven't had a chance to meet Magadina she's done a couple of programs for us with our spirit of women uh, programming and I'm probably going to have her do quite a few more um please look for her name and uh come to an event or program we're doing and we'll you will definitely be impressed and that's one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on tonight you know there's so there's so much out there there's so many things that are happening and now that you and and dr albini and your group are part of saint mary's and helping us to recreate our ob services and there's a lot of exciting things happening so maybe you want to talk about it a little bit Mm-hmm. So I was thinking of going, uh, talking to them about um, some of the programs we're doing, the OB hospitalist program in general. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, the, the hospitalist program is something that's coming up around the country in a lot of areas. Um, but in Connecticut, it's relatively new. I'm not sure that too many hospitals in Connecticut have this. But basically, what we're working on starting, and, and this is... Um, this, this will be um, getting rolled out at St. Mary's Hospital very, very soon. Um, it's having a 24-hour in-house obstetrician at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, someone dedicated to labor and delivery, um, a physician wh- who is board certified and experienced, um, just dedicated to labor and delivery, who doesn't have patients to see in the office, doesn't have any other responsibilities other than just being on labor and delivery. Um, and that what this will mean for our patients is whenever a pregnant patient comes to the hospital to be evaluated, um, whether she's in labor or has a non-labor complaint, she will be seen by an obstetrician regardless of what time it is, day or night, weekend or holiday, um, and she'll be evaluated almost immediately by an obstetrician. Um, and, you know, she won't have to wait in the emergency room. Labor and delivery will become essentially an emergency room for our pregnant patients. That's so That's so incredible. It's so incredible. And I think it's a service that we're doing at the hospital that it's almost like a little bit of a secret. Now, I've been talking about it a little bit. Once it's fully rolled out, I think people will definitely have a better understanding. I think when people think of hospitalists, they think of the hospitalist programs that all the hospitals have now where you're admitted to the hospital and your your doctor, if it's a your primary care doctor, doesn't usually come to see you there. The hospitalist is in charge of your care and helping to navigate your care by calling your physician and working with other physicians. But this is totally different. Right, right. And OBGYN um, hospitalists or laborists function a little bit differently than they do in primary care. Um, In primary care, it seems that when um, hospitalists came uh, into the picture, the primary care doctors stayed in the office and didn't participate in the inpatient management. Whereas with us, we're still planning on being there for our patients. Right. Um, we're still planning on doing all our patients' deliveries. Um, but when we are in the office, um, we'll be able to stay in the office and see our patients and, you know, not right. have to do the, you know, kind of the, right. the less urgent evaluations right. um, and be going back and forth from the office to the hospital. Right. Um, and, and really, uh, this will be a supplement to the care that we already provide. Right. Um, right now, a patient wasn't always being seen by right. an obstetrician. They may have just been evaluated in the emergency room for a non-labor um, issue or not when they're not in active labor, right. but now they'll be seen by an obstetrician each time. And that's so um, phenomenal. That's so right. phenomenal. And and people don't, you know, I think that our community doesn't really understand. You know, when you come in, especially a woman that is that is in labor, and you call the physician that is your obstetrician, and then a doctor on that's on call for the group usually covers. It may not be the physician that you're thinking. It's the one right. that would be on call anyway. Right, but exactly. They've got to come from home, right? right. Or from, exactly. especially, you know, babies like to be born in the middle of the night, yeah. it seems, right? <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And really, for, you know, we don't anticipate that changing. No. Um, we'll still be coming in right. from home to do our deliveries. We're not uh, looking to change that. We still want to take care of our patients. Um, but it, it does help to have... <laughs> 
someone in the hospital for more emergent things right. because let's face it sometimes emergencies do occur in the hospital when mm. um, that patient's obstetrician is not right in the house absolutely already. and you know if a woman goes into labor and, and is admitted they can at least start the process till you get yes. there so that the woman's exactly. not sitting in the emergency room waiting to be brought up that's exactly the hope um, because sometimes there just isn't time to right. You know, unfortunately, some sometimes things are more urgent right. uh, than not. Um, the other helpful thing about it is that we'll always have a second pair of hands mm. when emergent things happen, that's and so that great. second pair of hands will be another highly qualified obstetrician. Right now, will the will the will the OB hospitalists also be able to assist in other types of yes of situations yeah. that are yeah, non you know, C-section right. Um, complicated vaginal deliveries, mm-hmm. um, emergent gynecologic surgeries, because sometimes those happen in the middle of the night as well when we don't have another um, gynecologist available. And I think another key here is is the way that we are recruiting for these physicians is actually with a partner company that mm-hmm. is helping us to recruit physicians, but your team is actually interviewing these doctors. Oh, absolutely. Which is yep. great. We get the final say on who um, the doctor will be who will be working alongside us in the hospital so we get the final you know right. we get we get the the final power to um, hire them and and screen them yeah. <laughs> and make sure that they're 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 uh, physicians who we like right. and who will like to work with and who we think our patients will, will um, react well with some people have said to me you know why would a physician want to do that like why would they want to choose a path like that but we're seeing so many different alternatives to traditional types of yeah. pathways for physicians right and yeah it's kind of Absolutely. a neat thing for some people. It, they don't want to have that office setting. Yeah, it actually is. It's very popular in a lot of parts of the country. Um, it's, you know, for a lot of people who want kind of a more predictable schedule, especially in OBGYN, where mm-hmm. um, for a lot of a lot of times it's a very unpredictable lifestyle to right. have more of a more of a predictable schedule. It's very attractive for a lot of people. Absolutely. Um, and you know, it's 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 a very popular choice for for a lot of OBGYN. We're seeing that with the other program we're doing with our orthopedic program, which is called the Surgical Colleagues, where we have now a a orthopedic surgeon 24-7 in the hospital right mm-hmm. in our emergency room for those trauma cases and these physicians come and they work 10 days and then they have yeah they have all the, you know, yeah. this time off or yeah. some of them go exactly. to another hospital and do another 10 days and they take off yeah. 20 days which is yeah, you know really not so bad when you think about it it's not that <laughs> Don't bad me too much Robin <laughs> no it's not that bad it really isn't that bad and I love the the beauty of this is is that the it's going to be located up right on the floors yeah exactly right and then the other really nice things for really nice thing for our patients is that hopefully we'll notice that our docs won't be pulled as much from the yeah. office because what we really hate to do yeah. is if we get pulled away from the hosp- uh, to the hospital and we have to cancel our office patients. Yeah, uh, you know, we it's hate frustrating. Doing that. It's frustrating. And, yeah, because we have patients who've taken time off from their busy days right. to come see us in the office, and if we get pulled away, that's no good for anybody. Right. So um, we'll be able to be where we're supposed to be more often, um, and our patients will be getting excellent care no matter where they are. That's a great point so you're so going to we'll have a lot to keep of, everyone happy right you're going to have a lot of patient satisfaction because you I are going so. to definitely be working you know be able to work with the patients that are getting like as you said are your scheduled patients if a woman goes into labor is a problem the OB hospice is there they can get it started you right. can do what you need to do and then get there exactly and that exactly. is to me that is huge and the one of the other really neat things with your group is that and we're actually expanding it and I think Dr. Albini and I touched on it just a little bit but you're actually expanding the office space that you have right connected to us Absolutely. Um, so we currently have two office locations, one in Middlebury and the second one in the medical office building that's connected to the hospital. Um, and that used to be just a small touchdown space for us where we only had um, two providers, you know, one of the physicians and a midwife. Um, and we're expanding that space because we are hoping to grow and we're hoping to 
incorporate um, subspecialists, and this is already underway. The, we have a beautiful new office space um, that we'll be moving into in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, a, a nice space for ultrasonography. We have office space where uh, we'll have subspecialists, so we'll have a GYN oncologist um, from St. Francis uh, who'll be seeing patients there, and a urogynecologist also from St. Francis who'll be um, seeing patients in that space as well, and we'll be able to, um, you know, spread out a little bit more, yeah. have more exam rooms, a, a, a bigger, nicer waiting room for our patients, so we won't be, um, you know, stepping on everyone's right. toes quite as much, and it's just a more pleasant space to be in. I was laughing so this morning when that. I saw you, because I'm walking across <laughs> the bridge, the walkway, you're walking back <laughs> over, and as you said to me earlier, we wear a very strong path in that yeah. walkway, you guys go back and forth. But it's really great because you're right there for patients. You guys yeah. always have um, one or two physicians that are in that office and then a couple that are in the Middlebury office. Yeah. And then now with the complement of the OB hospitalists, you're going to be covering all the bases. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. you mentioned, I was, you know, we're going to definitely stay on OB, but I, I can't mm-hmm. help but mention it again, is the two subspecialists that are coming yes. to our area, Dr. Mayer, who's already started, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he is our GYN oncologist. And Dr. Mendelovici, who is the um, urogynecologist. And, you know, previously, those specialties, you had to send out. Absolutely. Um, You know, we were sending patients out to New Haven, to Hartford, um, to have consultations and have surgeries. Mm -hmm. And... You know, it's these towns are only half an hour away, but when you think about a patient goes for a consultation, a patient has surgery, sometimes right. a couple nights hospital stay, follow-up visits, right. it's a lot of travel. Yeah. And a lot of times patients who need these services aren't the young patients. Right. So um, patients are dependent on family members to drive them. It can be very burdensome. So to have these services available right here in Waterbury is just fantastic and we've been working on getting this to happen for so long and really the missing piece was having um, an adequate office space and adequate equipment available so that the subspecialists could do everything that they can do in their uh, primary offices available here in Waterbury and now we have both the space and all the equipment that they could possibly need. One of the things I think too, I know Dr. Mayer had mentioned this to me that they were really impressed with down here is that we actually had two robots at the hospital. Yes. Yeah, and plenty of time, uh, you know, available for them to use right. the robot. And so. a really trained team. Yes. Because our robotics team is bar none. Second to none. Second to none. And, you know, that's one of the things that is definitely one of your your specialties. You know, when you look at your area specialties, the first thing that we have listed for you is your minimally invasive uh, invasive procedures using the robotic surgery. Right. So when you were in training, was that definitely something that was incorporated in your training at UConn? Yep. Yeah, you know, I was I happened to be in residency at the time where robotic surgery was really um, well underway and I was able to complete my residency training and become trained in robotic GYN surgery at the same time. You know, it's it's funny because when Dr. Albini was on with me the other day, he was definitely in to- truly instrumental in us getting the, the robot here. Mm-hmm. And he really wanted to do that. But now we have another generation of robot, um, mm-hmm. the XI, correct? Which is, yes. that's the one that's really does some intricate work for you. Yes. Yep, and we have two of those. <laughs> and we have two of those. That's right, because we moved the SI to uh, to the, to the uh, surgery out, center. Outpatient surgery right, center. to the yep. outpatient surgery center. You know, and now when when you're doing your cases, who who do you see? What do you look for in qualifying a patient for, to, for robotics versus laparoscopic? You know, honestly, for me, that's kind of the default. Um, is robotic. I look for... Yeah, you know, my first line of thought is, is there anything that would exclude them from robotic surgery? Mm. So I think most cases 
would qualify for robotic or laparoscopic surgery. Hmm. Um, and unless patient, the patient has some unusual features um, about their uh, anatomy or, you know, they have large, um, you know, large fibroids that I don't think mm. can be accomplished um, removing uh, uh, robotically. Um, but that's, that's kind of... What you um, look for. Yeah. That's kind of what you look um, for. So, so I think most patients now we can accomplish their surgery robotically. And it's such a great way to do a surgery because patients oh, just do so well. Absolutely. It's it's really phenomenal. Um, and when you mentioned the idea to someone that they might need a hysterectomy and and then introduce the concept of robotic surgery, the expression on their face changes so much, and initially they're so um, bewildered at the thought that they might need a hysterectomy because they assume that they'll be in the hospital for days, they'll have a huge incision, and then you explain to them what a hysterectomy looks like today, and it's a completely different concept from when it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. I know ago. the recovery is definitely so much different. You know, I, I, I have a colleague that recently had one, and it's amazing to me how quickly she came back yeah. to work and how great she feels. Right. Absolutely. Oh, my so goodness. It's, it's a very cool time to be... Um, a surgeon. Yeah, because you have all these different toys at your hands, right, that you didn't yep. have before. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned fibroids. And, you know, I wasn't going to go on the GYN mm-hmm. scene, but I'm just going to, just because you mentioned it. Um, women with fibroids, do you do you tend to recommend hysterectomies for, for women that, that have fibroids? Or are you waiting till a woman kind of gets past a point where the fibroids somewhat shrink as they get older? What you do you know, see as really the trend? Depends. Yeah, um, It really depends on many factors, including the size and location of the fibroids, the woman's age, mm. whether she's had children or whether she wants to have children. Mm. Um, you know, all those things come into play. Right. So if a woman hasn't had children but wishes to, um, mm. then we'll try to resect the fibroids right. surgically um, to make her uterus uterus appear um, more normal in size and shape mm. to enable her to have children, to make sure that her tubes won't be blocked, to make sure the, the um, inner shape of the uterine cavity is more normal mm. um, so that her risk of miscarriage is less. Um, whereas if the woman is closer to menopause, then sometimes surgery is not necessary. No, you just unless, made it out, right? Yeah, exactly, because <laughs> fibroids feed off estrogen, and, yeah. and menopause sometimes is kind of the cure. I'm definitely the one that waited it out. <laughs> yeah. I waited it out, and I'm good. But yeah, yeah, you know, you just, I had so many people that were like rushing to get it done. I said, if you just are patient and just... Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't need to go there. But it, but the interesting point you made, which is going to bring us to the next topic, which you and I had discussed briefly because we wanted to talk about what you're seeing now in that new generation of women having babies and waiting. But when you say fibroids in a woman that wants to get pregnant, do you see those in all ages? You can. Really? Um, there are women who, who's, who we know with fibroids very young. Wow. Um, I mean, fibroids are so common to begin with. Huh. You know, 50, 60% of women will have fibroids at wow. some point in their life. <laughs> um, and once they start to develop, they, I mean, they start off very, very tiny, and then they just grow. Wow. So sometimes we pick them up when women in their early 20s. Wow. I, I never realized that. Yep. So we are talking with Dr. Arena Magadina. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk a bit about uh, pregnancy and the older woman. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, everyone. This is Robin Sills from St. Mary's Hospital. Welcome to Medically Speaking. And we are Medically Speaking tonight with Dr. Arena Magadina, who is an OBGYN with Naugatuck Valley Women's Health Specialist, which is also now part of the Franklin Medical Group at St. Mary's Hospital. Hi, Doc. Hello. No deliveries have jumped on, right? Not quite yet. <laughs> Do you have anybody the in active? The night is young, Robin. The night is young. Maybe after I'm done with my high school reunion meeting, I'll stop by. I'll bring you a coffee, you poor thing. Are you by yourself in your office there over on Scoville Street now? <laughs> no. I, you know what? I'm actually home right you now. You went home? Good girl. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to jinx myself. Don't jinx yourself. Oh. Don't jinx yourself. Well, you know, I was worried. I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, because it happened one time with Dr. Albini. He got called into a delivery, and we were going, going, going. I said, he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. <laughs> so it happens. You know, I'm very careful. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be home if I had anybody in labor. No, I'm um, absolutely sure of that. I'm but... absolutely sure. <laughs> so um, we were talking with Dr. Magadina about the new services and, of course, them joining St. Mary's and the new services they have with um our OB team at the hospital. And one of the things that we talked about, which is kind of neat, um, is talking about that woman nowadays that you see that comes into your office and how women are waiting later and what some of the challenges are that brings to women that come into you and want to start a family. Um, you know, women want to have careers, right? And they're going to Absolutely. school. And, and they're coming in later and later. I know I'm, I'm on my daughter-in-law's heels and my son's heels because they need to get moving as they are in their <laughs> early 30s. I mean, my daughter, we did too. But, I mean, my husband and I were 22 when we had my daughter. <laughs> Johnny and I were just saying, I was 22, so was his wife. And we had careers. We worked. We were nurses. <laughs> Yeah, I think women today have a lot of things they want to get oh, done. Gosh. You know, they 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 have a lot of goals and they have very uh, definitive ideas of how they how they want their lives to go. And I think they they tend to um, start their families a little bit later now. And and a lot of times they want to continue having children later. Oh, so they're killing they them. They're killing those of us that are going to be grandmothers now, too old. <laughs> Well, you know, what do they say? 70s, the new 60s? Yeah, I'm telling you, I had the grandsons this weekend, my husband and I, on Saturday and, and Saturday night. By Sunday, we dropped him off to my daughter, and I looked at my husband, and he said to me, did we ever eat? We couldn't even remember <laughs> the last meal we had. <laughs> But it keeps you young. You know? oh, yeah, it's keeping me That's younger. Right? Show, it's that grandparents who are in lo involved in their grandchildren's lives have better better health outcomes. Definitely. But we don't want to be. And just so you know, those of us that are ha being grandmas now, we don't like grandma. We don't like that term. So right. I am a Gigi. So I. Good. Yeah. No, you absolutely are. I'm a Gigi. <laughs> I believe it. So let's talk about what you're seeing when women come into you. Do they come in saying, I'm thinking of getting pregnant and yes. they're concerned? Yes. Yes, you know, you know the nice thing is that women have so many options for contraception mm -hmm. that I think unplanned pregnancy rates are going down for a lot mm -hmm. of populations, and mm -hmm. so pre women kind of start thinking about and planning for their pregnancies um, ahead of time, and uh, which is wonderful because there are preconception screenings that we can do and um, preparedness for conception and mm -hmm. folic acid supplementation, mm -hmm. and um, you know more more planning and discussion of what pregnancy care will look like and whether any medications have to be adjusted and, um, you know, what testing right. has to be done before a woman even conceives. So mm. um, we, we have those discussions before uh, my patients even conceive, right. which is really great because they know what, what they have to do before, before they even get there. Before they even get to that point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, is there an age or is there not an age where you think women maybe have more difficulties than not? Well, I think that's different for everyone. Yeah. Um, some, you know, there are unfortunately women who have trouble earlier than others. Right. Um, and then there are women who have no trouble well into their 40s. I right. mean, we have plenty of patients who have very healthy, normal pregnancies well into their 40s and <sighs> have no trouble conceiving, which... 
You know, so fertility is is variable. Right, it's variable. That would have been my mother-in-law who had eight children and mm-hmm. there was no break. <laughs> Wow. She never had she never had any problem, God bless her. That's impressive. It is very impressive. It's impressive she's still standing, God bless her, at eighty six. <laughs> um when women come to you and they are starting to have issues and problems and you know, they, they think about doing something to to help them have children like some type of fertility medication. There's the challenges that come with that too, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, we uh, obviously we're not, uh, we're general OBGYN, right. so we're not infertility specialists, and right. we have plenty of colleagues in that yep. uh, subspecialty who will refer to, um, luckily in Connecticut, we have many right. uh, specialists who are very, very good, but we're happy to start up a workup for anyone who's having trouble conceiving if needed. Right. Um, but easy things that we can talk about is just fertility planning, um, right. how to increase your chances of getting pregnant. Um, how to time things correctly, um, which can be a simple fix for a lot of people. You know, a lot of people, you know, don't, uh, it, it, let's just say it takes a couple of simple pointers for some right. people to, 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 to make things happen the right way. We also um, tend to be more stressed at that as we get yes, older, right? Because yes, we are involved exactly. in our careers. Yes, there are a lot of women who have things so planned out that they want pregnancy to happen <laughs> so quickly, you know, when they when they come off their contraception, you know, they expect that pregnancy is going to be so immediate and they get right. very um, anxious when it doesn't happen right away. And so taking a step back sometimes is very important, too. When someone do, is able to conceive, um, even, you know, if it's right away or after multiple times, that older patient, what are some concerns that you have with someone that's, that's um, pregnant, um, older? Um, sometimes, well, a lot of times, um, women say the, the cutoff that we currently use for considering someone older or advanced maternal age in pregnancy is 35. So mm-hmm. a woman who's over 35, we want to see her right away because she has, one, an increased chance of having a miscarriage. So <laughs> having an early ultrasound to make sure that the pregnancy is developing normally um, and that there's no miscarriage is very important. Why do they have uh, an increased risk? Just well, you know, the eggs and the ovaries start to, um, for lack of a better term, age. They so get old. I told younger, my daughter-in-law that. I know it's kind of sad when you think about it, but when you're younger, your really good, healthy eggs are the first ones to ovulate. So um, those are the ones that pop out right away. And so by the time you get to your mid, late thirties, it's not, it's the, it's the eggs that you have left that are ovulating. And Mm. unfortunately those aren't the ones, those aren't your best ones anymore. Those aren't the best eggs. kind of what's left over. Right. Right. Um, And some of those may not have the best genetic material, um, they may have some chromosomes that have had errors and multiplications. Right, right. um, Sometimes genetically, the embryos that are formed when those eggs that are fertilized, sometimes genetically they're just not correct, and they might not have the correct amount of genetic material, and those just don't make it. They don't make it. And they just get miscarried, yeah. And when they do, if they don't get miscarried, are you still concerned about yeah. potentially when the woman carries? Are there tests that you do then Absolutely. after the age of 35? Yeah, so there are, um, you know, even as the pregnancy is developing, there are increased risks of genetic um, syndromes like right. Down syndrome mm-hmm. um, and, and, and others. So we do um, more um, aggressive testing, and it doesn't have to be invasive testing. A lot right. of these, luckily now we have a lot of blood tests that can pick up with very, very high accuracy mm-hmm. whether um, genetically the embryo or the fetus is normal. Wow. Um, and whether the amount of chromosomes is is normal, right? So we offer that to all our patients. Um, and ultrasounds is, are very important and a good right. way to also detect um, abnormalities that may or may not be present in the fetus, because um, those are you know there's a higher risk of abnormality. Absolutely. And as as women age. So is this more common in a woman who's never had a child and then has her first baby at after the age of 35, no, no, or is it the same? It's, it's really just age-based regardless of, that right. w- of whether that woman has had children before or, or not. not. 
Do you see, I mean, we hear about gestational diabetes so much. Mm -hmm. Do you see that more with women in this population? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really, the risk of all of the medical complications Hmm. of pregnancy goes up with age. Hmm. Um, Gestational diabetes, gestational hypertension, preeclampsia, abnormalities in the baby's growth, too big or too small, abnormalities in the fluid around the baby, too much fluid, too little Mm -hmm. fluid, really everything. Um, C-section rate goes up with increasing maternal age, Um, you know, really just about everything. Pregnancy gets much more complex. And it's so scary. It's mm-hmm. it's so scary for the mom because they probably waited so for those that didn't have children yeah. they waited so long to have this birth. Yeah, but you know what? We baby those women. Yeah, um, and we take extra care of them. Yeah. And as pregnancy goes on, we they you know we we do extra ultrasounds, we do extra fetal monitoring toward the end of pregnancy. We see those women every week and do um, antenatal testing. We have those women on the monitor. We have them on ultrasound every week in the last month of pregnancy. So so we do baby them and take extra care of them and monitor them very, very closely. And some of them do go into premature labor. Right, right. Right, because they're just just based on all those other complications. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a scary thing, because then they have a whole other set of issues that they have to deal with, right? Right, right. But we try to prevent it as much as possible. You know, uh, luckily we have um, excellent um, medications to stop preterm labor available to us. We have the availability to administer steroids in the Mm. hospital, which can improve the baby's lung maturity Mm. so that if a baby is born prematurely, the baby's chances of survival and, you know, we call it intact survival Mm -hmm. when the baby's not only alive but healthy, um, that improves as well. And, you know, at St. Mary's, we can take care of those babies when they're 28 weeks and up. Right, in our NICU, which is great. Yeah, exactly. So we can take care of them right right at St. Mary's. So that's um, another big benefit of our own hospital, that um, we can care for them. We don't have to um, transfer those pregnancies out unless they're extremely premature. Extremely premature, right. When you talked um, about getting the testing done, you know, especially, you know, because of the eggs being matured and and looking then at the chromosomal defects, are there tests that you can do prior to the woman becoming pregnant to rule out maybe other abnormalities they may be at risk for? Um, You know, we don't do that routinely. We only do uh, testing like that if a woman has had multiple miscarriages. Mm, Okay. Um, But honestly, each egg has its own DNA. Okay. So unless a woman is having in vitro fertilization, it's impossible to tell which egg is going to be the one producing the fetus. Oh, wow. You know, so you don't know which egg is, if this is a spontaneously occurring pregnancy, you don't know which egg is going to be ovulated. Well, absolutely. That Oh, that's that's incredible. Yeah, that's it really incredible. is. Uh, you know, when you and I talked about the older patient, one of the other things we talked about, too, I mean, older patient, these are my daughter's age, so <laughs> calling her older. But, you know, we talked about women are so in tune at that point so they're coming into your office with their whole bag of tricks Mm -hmm. right and i'm sure they're also on sensory overload Mm -hmm. when they come into you how do you navigate that with them Oh, I tell them to stop reading anything on the internet <laughs> and to stop talking to their friends. Yes, definitely. <laughs> you know, um, we we give all our patients, and, and I have to give myself a plug for this. We give all my patients, all our patients, a little handbook that I wrote. <laughs> you did? Yes. That's awesome. This is one of my little little projects when I first uh, joined the group, and and my schedule wasn't super busy yet, so I had a little more free time on my hands. <laughs> but you were productive. <laughs> so we put together um, a, a little handbook for all our pregnancy patients that answers all their most common questions. Mm. Um, and we like to have them refer to that before they start Googling anything. Yeah, definitely. That's <laughs> incredible. That's phenomenal. Yes. That's phenomenal. Um, we should have so that. there's so much misinformation yeah. out there, and it's, yeah. and it's hard to... Um, you know, it's hard to help patients navigate the Internet because as soon as they Google their symptoms, they're scared right. um, because all this bad information is out there and it scares them unnecessarily. Right. So we, you know, we try to avoid that. Um, 
And and we encourage patients to call if they have questions. And, right. you know, obviously we always have one of us on call to, to answer um, questions if something comes up emergently. Right. Um, and obviously we encourage everyone to bring lists of questions to their prenatal visits and we, oh we go over as much information as we can then. My daughter's first pregnancy, she had, I was like, Meg, <laughs> <laughs> the doctor doesn't have the time that you have for the amount of questions <laughs> that you've written down. But, you know, that's how that generation is. You know, I see it, which is why I asked the question, because I know I lived it through with her. <laughs> so I know what yeah. I saw and I pitied the the gynecologist. <laughs> oh, I know what you were about to say. <laughs> yeah, mm, I did. <laughs> I'm no glad it wasn't taken. me. <laughs> so bad. You know, on the other side of the coin, then I, I'm sure you have those really, really young patients. Yes, who need the education and, right. you know, a little bit more. I, you know, so yes, we have patients on the complete other end of the spectrum who have, who really know nothing and just have no idea what to expect. Oh, so scary! And it really is. Um, and it, in a uh, way, it's it's nice to be able to show them and teach them and help them. And you know, we have so many resources available at the hospital too. Right. All the prenatal classes and breastfeeding education. Um, Michelle, our breastfeeding consult, uh, lactation consultant, is so wonderful and such a great resources resource awesome. to, to pregnant patients and postpartum. I mean, she's available to everyone. Um, uh, this is a little known fact that she'll talk to patients long after they've left the hospital. That's they can wonderful. call her and reach her um, as a great resource. Because that's such a scary thing when the moms leave and the baby's not eating. That is just right. so scary. Right. Yeah, and a lot of times those questions come after the patients have left the hospital. I'm sure with the younger patient too, I would think one of the other challenges with the younger patient is probably their diet because yeah. they're kids, right? Yes. Yeah, and and nutrition in pregnancy has to be really good yeah. <laughs> um, because they have to be reminded that, they, you know, if you wouldn't feed your baby this, you shouldn't be eating it yourself. Absolutely. Um, especially, I mean, gestational diabetes is, mm. is a big issue in pregnancy and you want to prevent it. Right. And then if, if a patient has it, then you want to treat it. Um, and, you know, we have... Um, luckily, we're fortunate enough to have a nutritionist right in our office. Right. Um, because otherwise, uh, there aren't a whole lot of good resources for our pregnant patients. So, right. um, because we have someone on site right in our office, we can uh, have our patients need see that. a nutritionist in pregnancy, which is really nice. You need that because you can't honestly. It's hard. It's hard to wait for that referral because the patient yes. may need that. And when you have them as a captive audience is when mm -hmm. they need that consultation, absolutely. right? Once yeah. they leave to make the appointment, you may not get them back, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, when you look at that younger patient, I know I'm still focusing on that. It, you know, we talked a little bit about contraceptive measures and, and, it, and people are getting much better about it. Are you still seeing the volume of young pregnancies? Yeah, I <sighs> mean, it's um, part of that has to do with the population. Right, the culture. Um, yeah, culture and, um, you know, sometimes lack of resources. Yeah. Um, I think that's the case everywhere. And it just, is. Uh, I think the young population of today isn't the same as the young population, say, 30 years ago. Right. I think young young or teenage, teenage girls are growing up faster than they did they are. before. They <laughs> I definitely probably don't are. have to tell you. Yeah, they are. <laughs> They definitely but. are. You know, it's it's funny too. I you know I know they mentioned this to you, but I think too as a you know as a country, we're you know there's a program out there that's kind of emphasizing young teenage pregnancies, and I I'm fearful when I see things like that because mm -hmm. you know they're kind of like sensationalizing it, and and that's scary to me that we would even. I mean, they definitely show yeah. the challenges, so they somewhat yeah. balance it, but. Yeah. But it's yeah. definitely scary to see that it, it's it's real. These are real stories or real things that are happening. Mm -hmm. But we're we're putting it on TV and, and, you know, you're showing kids this. And I, I, yeah. I it's concerning. It really is. Uh, you know, it's concerning. And I was wondering if we definitely still see it in this area. You oh, know. we absolutely do. Oh. Um, you know, I think education about contraception sometimes is lacking. Right. Um, in 
in that age group. Right. Um, and, it, you know, one, I think one helpful thing to mention is that a lot of times we can educate patients of that age group right in our office. Right. Um, and so I, I, I personally, I love seeing adolescents. Mm-hmm. Um, I love seeing teenagers because that's, I feel like that's my job is to educate them. I think that's so important. I think it's important as a mom of a daughter mm-hmm. to, to teach your daughter about gynecological care right. early and go with her for that first appointment and don't let it be on her own. Right. I think that that's such an important conversation and a responsible conversation. It's right. a part of good health habits. Yeah. Right. Yep. I have patients all the time who are moms of teenagers ask me when they should bring their daughters in. Yeah. Um, and I say kind of anytime, anytime, anytime. they want to have that talk. Right. Um, if they're sexually active or just thinking about it. Right. Uh, you know, anytime after they they have their period, right? They should they should they're come fair in. game for me. Yeah, and and you know, I stress that I I'm not going to do an exam, right? Because that's scary. Absolutely, for, for a lot of yeah adolescents, that's scary. I know that um, I've referred a few um, adolescents your way of uh, friends of mine that have mm-hmm. young daughters, and they are just thrilled because it's just it's so important to be able to have those conversations. Yeah. And it's stuff that our moms didn't do back in the day. You know, yeah. I know at first my first appointment was I was already married. It was after I had gotten <laughs> pregnant with my daughter, and I had to find a yeah. gynecologist. It's just that's just how it was back then. Yeah, and not all girls wanted talk to their moms about it a lot of times they feel more comfortable and safer talking to a medical professional right. about Absolutely. It. And then sometimes it's too late, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I know we don't have too long, but one of the things that you list, list as your areas, especially too, since we're on adolescence, is adolescent gynecology. Mm-hmm. So, you know, talking about what we're talking about now, so you really do take such an interest in the kids. I do. I do. I, I like... I like having that opportunity to to talk to that that um, you know young women in that age group, both as far as education and also you know if when problems arise, it's it's important to have a good resource. Right, and I think a young girl having a conversation with you as a woman is so much more approachable for her and yes. easier for her than if she had the conversation with a man at times. So it's so important yes. to have women in your profession, yep. especially especially in the next generation, yeah. which is what I call you and some of the <laughs> colleagues coming our way because you, we also have Dr. Rachel Leonardi that's part of your mm-hmm. group, right? Now, that's Dr. Right. Polk would kill and me if I didn't give a nod to him. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, and um, also we have a wonderful physician assistant, Jessica Burcell. That's right, Jessica Burcell. Who is just, just the loveliest person. And um, that's, it's so great to have women in the group, you know. It's, uh, it's yes. really important. I mean, as an older woman myself, I'm comfortable with either, but I think that younger generation, yeah. especially to get them mm-hmm. started, I think that yep. is so important. Yeah, yeah. So I know we covered a variety of topics tonight, <laughs> but if you had to leave the audience with um, one thing, talking about the OB care that's coming our way, or in general what we have to offer in, at St. Mary's in the greater Waterbury area, what would it be? Well, I just think that St. Mary's is a wonderful place to have a baby. We have a very caring and supportive nursing staff. Um, you know, we have a massage therapist, Kathy, oh, who that's right, Kathy. is just phenomenal. You know, when I was pregnant, oh. I, um, let's just say I consulted with her many a time. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a wonderful lactation consultant. Um, we offer really the full gamut at St. Mary's. And I think there's something to be said about a smaller hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not um, a big academic center, which I think is nice in some ways. Oh, yeah. It's still more of a more of an intimate environment. I think we're we're not a huge center, and we can keep things more intimate. Yeah, um, we could do that higher level of care. You get to know people a little bit right. better, but right. yet we offer all of the services right. from maternal fetal medicine um, to you know subspecialists and all the gynecologic specialties. Um, you know, we, I think we offer everything that there is. Um, and and I think we have wonderful people. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, from our docs to our nurses to to everyone involved in in the patient's care. That's great. Um, so I really feel and and now that we're adding the OB hospitalists, I think that'll really 
give us the complete package to offer all our patients. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Magadina, I can't thank you enough tonight for joining us. I know that you're on call and you <laughs> came out of a delivery. You are home now. Hopefully you stay at home and you don't have to go bouncing back. Um, but if you want to know more about Dr. Magadina, you can go on their website, um, nvwhs.com. That's Naugatuck mm-hmm. Valley Women's Health Specialist. They still have their website live and you can pull down their providers and click on to Dr. Magadina and any one of the other providers to see more about them. And you're on um, Straits Turnpike in Middlebury, yep. right? And yep. also at 133 Scoville Street in Waterbury. And the phone, 203 Correct. Right? That's right. <laughs> I've known that it. number for many years, so I, I got it. I, it's embedded in my head. Every time I saw it come across, I knew it was Dr. Albini. <laughs> So thank you again so much for joining us. And thank you you for being part of our team. Have a great night. You too. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. So again, everyone, that was um, Dr. Arena Magadine. I hope you enjoyed her presentation. It just, we really wanted to promote what the future of our OB and gynecological services are looking like at St. Mary's Hospital. Moving forward um, next month, we are going to really focus on gynecological care, and we're going to actually have, um, hopefully, Dr. Mayer, who's the uh, GYN oncologist, and Dr. Mendelavici, who is the uh, urogynecologist. We're going to have them call in. Um, with Dr. Albini and talk about what those services are and what are the common uh, problems that they're seeing with women and how we can treat them at St. Mary's Hospital. Um, I also wanted to say to keep on your calendar, October 4th, which um, is a Thursday, we're going to be doing a special event for our for our Woman, to Wom- Woman for Woman um, Fund, which is our breast fund. We're going to be doing a great program with our breast surgeons out at Hawks Ridge Winery. It's going to be a paint night, so keep your eye open open for that. There'll be more to follow on that. I'll throw you out some teasers. So I hope everyone has a great night and a great weekend. I know it's going to be beautiful. Robin Sills from St. Mary's Hospital. Exceptional care every patient every day. Have a great night. On the air and online everywhere at WATR.com. This is a Connecticut classic. 